Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. How are we this morning? Awesome. Very good. It sounded like it. It sounded like everyone was very excited to be here. That, that's, the, that's the noisiest, uh, you know, meet and greet time at church I've heard for a long time. So it is uh, it's great to be. Big happy birthday for last week. Four, turned four last week down here at Gateway Logan. How exciting. God has been uh, so good, done so many good uh, things in your lives, in this uh, community. And I'm really excited because the best is still yet to come because that's what God's like. He's always got more. He's always got more than what we can ever ask, dream or imagine. Do you believe that this morning? Uh, I tell you what, I was really encouraged with just uh, this week, uh, a couple of months, or no, six weeks ago now, we had our uh, Gateway Beyond series and uh, we were asking uh, right across our church, across all campuses for... uh, for people to give generously, to continue our ministries through Gateway Care and uh, our Gateway Beyond workers all around the world and to do some campus uh, development projects to help us reach more people uh, in other communities where God has planted us. One of which is to build a kids and youth centre and care centre out there uh, on the hill for many more people in the Logan community to come in and find the hope of Jesus and uh, so encouraged people uh, right across our church have given and pledged over 1.2 million dollars in uh, in in cash but well over one point hang on just let me finish well over 1.7 million dollars when you include donations in kind for some of these buildings absolutely blown away by uh, God's uh, God's faithfulness and uh, generosity. We've got a Board of Elders retreat in just a couple of weeks' time to start to map out some of the timing uh, for all of our campus development plans. So uh, you'll hear about that uh, in a little while. But you know, you can actually measure most things with a number. You know, you can, you can measure how old Gateway Logan is with a number, four. It's a pretty, pretty small number. Uh, but you can, you can measure it, you can measure how much was given through Gateway Beyond with a number, $1.7 million, bigger number, you know, it's a, it's just a pretty big number, but you can measure it, you can measure nearly everything uh, with a number, you can measure height, you know, with a number, you know, I know, some, I know having a school ruler out here brings back very bad memories for some people, <laughs> I don't know if anyone uh, like me sort of copped one of these, you know, and, and it hurt, but you can kind of, you can measure my height with a number. I'm uh, 1.89 centimetres high. You, you can measure my height. It's not all that high compared to Mount Everest. It's a lot higher, but you can measure it with a number. Anyone know how high Mount Everest is? 8,848 metres high. There's a number, it's the highest, you know, thing uh, on earth, but you can measure it with, with a number. You, you, you can measure how wide something can stretch with a number. You, you can measure, you know, my wingspan, you can measure how far I can wrap my arms around somebody with a number. It's about two metres wide. 
It's not very wide compared to the vastness of a wide ocean. Anyone know how wide the Pacific Ocean is? As wide as point east to west, it's about 15,000 kilometres wide. That's pretty wide. You can measure it with a number. You know, you can measure how deep something is with a number. This baptistry over here, it is... 94 centimetres deep. It's not all that deep, but you can measure it with a number. But the Mariana Trench, which is somewhere in the middle of the ocean, the deepest point of of the ocean, is 10,994 metres deep. Deepest point in the ocean, but you can measure it with a number. And you can measure how long something lasts with a number. Nothing lasts forever, everything's got to use by date, but the banana sitting out on your bench right now, it'll probably last about five days, you know, before it goes all black and squishy and translucent and inedible. But these little fellas, McDonald's fries, (laughs) these last a lot longer than a banana. I've found these down the back seat of our car, Five years later, and you can just put them in the microwave, heat them back up, and they are as good as gold. (laughs) These things last for a jolly long time. Five days, not very long. Five years, a little bit longer. You You can measure, you know, how high, how wide, how deep, how long something lasts with a number. But you cannot measure how wide and how deep and how long and how high is the love of God. It is beyond comprehension. In Ephesians 3, it says it surpasses human knowledge. You cannot measure it with a number. Let me read a very well-known passage from Ephesians chapter 3. I was going to read a little bit of it to start. It says this, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people. So remember, he's not just writing this for the church in Ephesus. He's writing this for us. He's writing it for all of God's people. He's saying, I pray that you'd have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high And how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, everyone say immeasurably. It means you cannot measure it. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. There is no number. There's no number that can measure the height, the depth, the width, the length, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It surpasses knowledge. But Paul prays, and he doesn't just pray for a church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, just in a a little part of the Roman Empire. He actually prays for us in Logan today. 
He prays for all of God's people through history who have faith in Christ. He, he prays that all of God's people would be able to grasp it. That, that we might grasp it day by day, just a little bit more. We might have revelation in our spirit of the extremities of God's love because it is actually immeasurable. Now, the problem is that in our human thinking, in our human knowledge, we measure the way that God feels about us. We, we measure, you know, God's love for us based on our performance. We, we measure the power. We measure what God wants to bless us with, what He wants to do within us, based on our performance. It's our human way of thinking. We think the more that we perform, the more loved we will be. The more that we perform, the more of God's power that is at work within us. And so we do kind of these kind of measurements against people. We think about somebody like St. Paul, right? We think he's, he's not just an apostle, he's, he's a saint. You know, this, this is a guy who performed pretty well for God. He, he actually said, you know, he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was, he was born into part of God's chosen people. He was a Pharisee. He, he, he knew the law, it meant that he, he not only knew all of the 631 laws of the Old Testament, but he was faultless in fulfilling the 631 laws of the Old Testament. You know, he was zealous for, for God. He memorized, being a Pharisee in the, the group of Pharisees that he was in, it meant that he had memorized the first four books of the Bible. He knew them off by heart. And then he goes to write half of the New Testament. We look at somebody like Paul and we think if we're going to you know, measure his goodness, he's somewhere right up the top of the tree. If there's somebody that's really good, if there's some... These clips aren't strong enough. That's not good. There we go. St. Paul... He's, he's kind of up the top of the tree. He's pretty good. We think if anyone is loved by God, you know, if, if anyone that, you know, is, uh, that is blessed by God, it's Paul. And then we think to sort of our own lifetime, you know, people that have, uh, you know, done some good things in our lifetime. We think of somebody like Mother Teresa. I mean, this woman, world all around the world, People acknowledge her goodness. You know, people acknowledge that she laid down her life for the ministry of Christ. You know, she, she laid down her life and cared for the poor and the dying on the streets of Calcutta. Incredible sacrifices. I mean, this lady is, is good and actually she's also become a saint in, uh, in more recent times. But she didn't write half the New Testament. And so maybe she's just a little bit below the Apostle Paul or St. Paul. But she's pretty good. We think God's love and blessings would be poured out for her. 
and a little bit closer to home. What about Pastor Cherithemes? <laughs> she does a good job, doesn't she? You know, those of you who have got kids out there right now, you are pretty blessed by this woman. Why don't you put your hands together one more time for Pastor Cherithemes? Not only does she serve God on a Sunday morning, but she, thanks mate, she comes to church every Sunday. She reads her Bible every day. You know, she prays all the time. And not only that, she's just really nice. But, oh, I wasn't going to go there. But she didn't. She hasn't memorized the first four books of the Bible. She's only memorized the first three. All right? And she doesn't live on the streets of Calcutta. She lives in the comparative luxury of Logan. And so she's going to go down just a little bit below Mother Teresa. And then we think of somebody like the thief on the cross. And we think, man, this dude is the scum of the earth. There's actually his community at the time, you've got to understand this, the community he lived in decided that he had no redeeming value. There was nothing redeeming about his life. There's nothing, he was not worth anything because of his crimes and he knew he deserved it. You read the gospel account, he knew he deserved his punishment. And yet somehow, this guy scrapes into heaven we kind of don't know how he gets in. He's certainly not up the top with uh, people like Pastor Cherith and her illustrious colleagues. But somehow he's loved enough by God that he gets into heaven. It's a miracle. What about just ordinary old sinners like you and me? You know, where do I fit on this guy? I'd like to think, you know, I kind of sit just a little bit above the thief on the cross. I have not been crucified for my sins. At times, I think Susan has wanted to, but I've not yet, I've not yet been crucified for my sins. So I think I go above the thief on the cross, but I haven't planted as many churches as St. Paul. I just simply aren't as kind and compassionate as Mother Teresa, and I'm definitely not as nice as Pastor Cherith. Now, we don't actually put ourselves on a scale and measure ourselves like this. You've never drawn this anywhere. But we've got this going on in our head. We've got this kind of scale going on in our head. We measure ourselves. We measure our performance. We measure our goodness against other people to determine how God would feel about us and what God might want to do in us. It's human thinking. And sometimes it's not about what we do, it's actually about what others do. And so how God feels about us changes from time to time. And so, you know, if you drive out of here this morning and you see Pastor Cherith getting in a bit of road rage on Logan Road and she sticks her arm out the window and gives some young punk the forks, <laughs> I've never seen it. 
it's just how you did, all of a sudden, you'd find you feel better about yourself and feel more confident in the way God feels about you, not because of anything you'd done, but someone that you thought was really loved and blessed by God has just been pulled down a rung or two. And so this can change from time to time depending on what you do and depending on what others do. Now this is really important. Nowhere in the Bible does God use the illustration of a ladder to make our way to heaven, to earn our love from God. Do you know the only time in the Bible there's a ladder or or a stairway from heaven? It's not for people to make their way up to God by good works. It's actually for God to come down from heaven to earth and to help somebody who was a broken sinner like you and me understand their identity and their calling in God. But we do not live under an old covenant. And in the New Testament, we have an even better picture of what God has done. The very Son of God, not just a messenger from heaven, not an angel from heaven, but the actual Son of God came down from heaven to earth to take our place on the cross. What He has done is actually taken our place. He's taken our sins. And so the way that God sees us when we have faith in Christ Jesus is through the blood of His Son, Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians says, if you are in Christ, you have a new identity. You are chosen, you are blessed, you are holy and blameless in His sight. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You are saved. You'll never have to pay for your sins because Jesus paid them for you. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, He says, You need to understand that you are loved. You'll never be rejected. The only way you'll be rejected by God is if you reject His Son. You're loved. And you're loved not because of your performance. It doesn't go on a sliding scale because of your performance. You are simply loved because of your position. And if Jesus has taken your place, you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You're loved because of your position, not because of your performance. If you go back just a couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 3, it actually it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, this is important, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We all have a heavenly Father. And I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We've all got a heavenly Father, invites us into a family as Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. I love my son Joey. My son's about to turn 21. I love him. I'd take a bullet for him. I'd do anything for him. 
But when he was two, I got to admit, I asked the question, why do I love this boy? What's he done to deserve it? This is what he looked like when he was two. What's he done to deserve it? You know, in the mornings, he would, he would wake me up at 3.30 in the morning by poking me in the eyes and just saying, wiggles, wiggles. And if I didn't wake up, he would pull my eyelids back and tell me it was time to, to watch the wiggles and eventually I'd make my way out of bed and I'd go into the lounge room and I would put a wiggles VCR cassette into the, uh, the cassette, the VHS player. Who remembers those? All the old people in the room. And, and we would sit there and we would watch, you know, wiggles and I'd drive to work, you know, singing, call spaghetti, call spaghetti, mash banana, mash banana. I got so sick of the wiggles. Eventually I discovered he was so transfixed that I could leave him in the beanbag and wander back to bed. Parenting 101, people. One morning I'm back in bed and I, the wiggles stopped and I just heard clutter happening all over the kitchen floor and I go out and he's gone into the pantry and he's just pulled everything off the shelves and spread it, making his own cake on the kitchen floor. I thought, I'm going I'm to fix this kid. I put a lock on the pantry door and went back to bed. A couple of mornings later, I heard the clutter again and I went out and he's just digging through the bin looking for food. The poor kid's hungry, there's stuff all over the floor. I'm thinking, why do I love this kid? For the morning, I really questioned, why do I love this boy? Why would I take a bullet for this boy? It was the morning I woke up and I could feel him brushing my hair. And just as I opened my eyes, he was starting to brush my teeth with the toilet brush. And I'm sitting there on the end of the bed, picking out bits of paper and poo out of my teeth. I'm thinking, why do I love this boy? And I realized there were three, there were three simple reasons. Firstly, he looks a little bit like me. <laughs> and that's cool. Secondly, and I'm not going to give away too much information here, but... I had something to do with making him. <laughs> and thirdly, he's mine. Every parent here in the room knows what I mean when I say there's a love in our hearts that we can't understand. It surpasses human knowledge. And this child is ours. And I realized in that moment, it's the same way our Father in heaven feels about all of us. Genesis, right, the first chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, man and woman, male and female, you are made in the image of God. Do you know what that means? You look a little bit like your heavenly father. You're made in his image. Psalm 139, it says, he knit you together in your mother's womb. All of his works are wonderful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and all of the days ordained for you were written in his book before even one of them came to be. He had something to do with making you. You are not an accident. You are not this, this, this random collision of cells. He had something to do with making you. And 1 John 3, verse 1, how great is the love the Father, our Father in heaven has lavished on us, on you, that you should be called children of God. And that is what you are. You're His. 
You belong to him. When you put your faith in Christ, you came into his family and you're his. It's the way the Father feels about you. And there's nothing you can do to change it. Even when you play around in the toilet of sin, he still loves you and he can't help it. See, what Paul wants us to understand in this letter, particularly in these first three chapters, if you are in Christ, you have a new identity. You are chosen. You are saved. And this morning, I want us to understand without a shadow of a doubt that you are loved. Not because of your performance, but simply because of your position in Christ Jesus. You're a son and you're a daughter of the King. Can we all just say together, I am loved. Come on, one more time with conviction. I am loved. You're loved. It's a good deal. When you get it, it changes our lives. You know, we can't measure the height, the depth, the width, the length of God's love, but the best measuring stick that we have the best way that we can actually measure the height, the width, the depth of God's love is the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, on this cross, can you get that uh, image to come up? On this cross, his arms were stretched out wide. The hands that threw stars into space, they were probably only stretched out two metres wide. But on that cross, they stretched out wide enough to embrace all people. They're wide enough to actually say, everyone can come to me and find saving grace. His, his love was deep enough that it reached down from heaven to take your place. On that cross, he took your place. He took your sins and, and, and your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. Do you know how far that is? You can't measure it. It's immeasurable. It's the same point. You can't measure the love and the forgiveness of God, it's stretched out so wide. On this cross, the Son of God stretched His arms out wide to let you know that all people are welcome to come into His brace. His love is deep enough that He moved from heaven down to earth to take your place. And His love, what have I forgotten? It lasts long enough. It lasts longer than McDonald's fries. His love. Do you, know, do you know the most repeated verse in the Bible? You know, actually in the, in the scriptural text, the verse that's actually repeated over and over again. The most repeated verse in the Bible is give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His love. What does His love do? Say it again, His love. He endures forever. That's how much He loves us. It never ends. That's why it's immeasurable. You know, the most sung worship song in the history of the world being translated into the most languages? Anyone have a guess? I think I heard someone say Amazing Grace. It's true. Amazing Grace has been translated the most times, sung the most times. Amazing Grace. It is amazing how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I love this line. There are no less days to sing God's praise. Than when they first began. His love lasts forever, people. 
it never ends. And his laugh is higher than Mount Everest. It actually says that if we have faith in Christ, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms. All of his power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us. You see, you may not be able to measure the love of God, but you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what I want us to get today. He says, I pray that you're being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants you to know it. He wants you to experience it, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. None of us like filling up at the service station anymore. You've got to take out a second mortgage, you know, just to, just to fill your tank. You know, on the way here, I was running out of fuel, but I just wasn't game to fill it up the whole way because it would have hit triple figures. And so I stopped somewhere before it was full just because I hate paying triple figures for diesel. I wish I didn't have a diesel anymore. But we don't like filling up at the service station anymore because of its cost. But I tell you, God wants to fill you to the full measure of his love and of his power, and he's already paid the cost. I just want you to tell me when this vase gets filled to the full measure. Just tell me when to stop, when it gets filled to the full measure. Take any more? Uh, tell me when it's filled to the full measure. That'll do? Take a little bit more? Don't want you to miss out. That full? It's filled to the full measure. It is, it is full. I can't take any more. But I think what God wants to do in us is actually fill every part of us. And He can only fill the parts that we give Him to fill. You see, he can only fill what we give him room to fill. And I wonder if some of us today, it's actually, he's calling us to stop doing some things. He's calling us to take some things out of his life. And this is really important. No, not, not, not yet, guys, soon. To take some things out of our lives. Not, now this is important, not to earn God's love. You can't do it, but because you know how much He loves you. And so anything that He wants you to take out of your life, you know it's for your good. And so the extent to which you will repent, okay, the, the extent to which you will surrender your life to Christ is to the extent that you know the love of God for you. And so as you get fresh revelation of God's love, and I hope that God's been doing that for some of you this morning, you actually begin to trust that the things that He's telling you to do, the things He's telling you to stop, the things He's telling you to take out, are actually good. Because He's got something better for you. See, repentance is actually a bit of a scary word sometimes, or we think it's scary. It's actually brilliant. When God tells you to repent, it's good news. He's got something so much better for you. 
And I wonder if some of us have just got some things that we need to take out of our lives. And it might be as simple as the things we're just allowing to fill our time. Maybe if you really look at the last month of your life, you've got into some bad habits over COVID of Netflix binging, of just going to, to Netflix to, to actually as a place of escape rather than going to God and the amount of time that you're giving to TV or, or to whatever else you're browsing on the net is actually just taking up so much time and God's saying, hey, I just want you to take some of that out because I got something better for you. For some of you, it actually might be your thought life. You actually been thinking in your head that you're inadequate, that you're rejected, that you've been a victim, you're always going to be a victim. And it's actually taking up space in your heart and in your mind. And God's saying, I want you to take, take that out because you're loved. It's got no place in your new identity in Christ. Be others of you here today who've been hurt by others. And there's some bitterness and unforgiveness that's taken up room in your life. Bitterness and unforgiveness will just be like a tumour in your soul. If you hold on to that unforgiveness, if you hold on to that bitterness, it will take root in your heart and it will make you bitter. And God's saying, don't be bitter because i got something better for you. Root it out. Take out that bitterness and that unforgiveness. For others, it might be an addiction. It might be an addiction to food. It might be an addiction to porn. It might be an addiction to alcohol. It might be an addiction to, to TV. It might be addiction to, I don't know what, but you just know. There's an addiction in your life that's just taken up some room in your heart. It's taken up some room in your soul and God's saying, it's just time to take it out. And it might be some of us have got some sins that we've just decided they're okay. You know, we've got some sins we know aren't okay, like, you know, lying and killing and stealing is not okay, but gossip, gossip's okay. And we've just allowed it to take up some room in our heart and God's just saying today, take it out. I've got something better for you. Tell me, is this still full? When you take some things out, you can be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. You see, God, God's always got more. Can everyone just say more? more? Whatever you understand of the love of God right now, He loves you more. Whatever you understand of the power of God right now, He's got more for you if you'll give Him room in your heart and in your mind and so you begin to overflow. That's the heart of God. He loves you and He wants to fill you to the full measure of all of his love and his power. The team can come up now. He finishes this part with this incredible final rolling prayer. He says, now to him 
who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may not be able to measure the love of God. You may not be able to measure the power of God at work within you, but you can live according to his immeasurable power. And you can ask him to keep filling you with more of his love and of his power. You can keep taking things out of your life and so he can fill you with more of himself. And when you are confident in your identity, when you are confident that you are loved by God, there'll be a greater confidence to walk in the immeasurable power of God that's at work within you. And I believe today, God wants to give some people a greater confidence. Greater confidence in His love and a greater confidence to walk in His power. The power, same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He says, I want you to live according to that power within you. I want you to walk in that power over temptation. I want you to minister in that power power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And maybe there's some gifts here that are laying dormant right now because you've lost confidence. And God wants to renew that confidence today. He wants you so confident in your identity, so confident that you're loved, so confident to take some things out of your life because what He's got for you is better, so confident to walk in His power because He's the same God written to this church in Ephesus, written to this church today, is for all God's holy people. He's able to do, everyone say immeasurably. He's able to do immeasurably more than all that we've ever asked, dreamed or imagined. Let's stand together this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.